This episode contains details about the assault and death of a very young child. Please use listener discretion. Owen County Dispatch was notified this morning, just before 9 o'clock, that a missing 15-month-old little girl uh, was not found to be in her crib uh, this morning. Um, the description, uh, as you well may know, but it's worth repeating, is a uh, of a missing child, 15-month-old, white female, approximately 49 inches, 20 pounds, blonde hair, blue eyes. She was last wearing a uh, white zip-up sleeper, infant sleeper, uh, with a purple pacifier clipped on to that. Um, she also may be uh, with a blue and white Winnie the Pooh blanket. Facebook are saying more than what I'd like to hear. Why do you say that? Uh, somebody said something about they found a diaper and they're looking for a body and that's terrible. There's stuff that makes me think the worst. We heard that there was, you know, a blanket missing and her diaper bag over there, so I'm hoping that, you know, whoever has her is at least taking care of her. This is Laura Lane and Abby Tonsing. We are a crime reporting team at the Herald Times. Abby usually covers the crime part and I usually cover the related court and trial proceedings. We're here to talk about a case that happened in 2017. 16. We're here to talk about a case that happened in 2016, clearly um, longer ago than I thought, regarding the abduction and murder of a toddler. Her name was Shaylin Michelle K. Ammerman. We'll just call her Shaylin here in this podcast. And Abby and I are here to talk about the reporting process to let people go behind the scenes to find out how when something really awful happens, reporters get up and go and cover it until it's over. So I think I'll just start. It was March 23rd, 2016. We have a police scanner in the newsroom on Abby's desk, so we're always listening for fires and traffic accidents and murders and things such as that that we would need to respond to as reporters. We'd been listening to um, the broadcast or the... The chatter over the scanner. The scanner chatter from Owen County, and it appeared that a child had gone missing. This happens sometimes. Maybe one parent has the child and doesn't return the child after a visit or people aren't sure where the kid is at school or with a babysitter but it became clear as time went on that that a child had been abducted from her crib in the night and was missing um abby how is it that we ended up going to spencer because we did that afternoon you me and jeremy and jeremy hogan for 
packed up and went over there. Right. Well, we had been listening to the activity on the police scanner in Owen County, and they were searching longer than usual for, you know, a child who had gone missing or perhaps had wandered off. Um, They just kept searching and searching, and that talk on the scanner didn't let up and then it was Jeremy Remember part of it was they said she was like 15 months old and we're thinking a child of that age could not just like get up and roam away and walk off and it just became more and more suspicious it did it did and about that time when we were starting to kind of feel like perhaps we should investigate this further Jeremy Hogan our photographer came over to our area and said that he saw the mother's Facebook post um, claiming that her daughter had been kidnapped out of her crib and, and taken in the middle of the night. And please, if anyone can help search, please do so. And um, we didn't give it much thought after that. We pretty much uh, mobilized and ran out the door. I love that word, mobilized. Um, in our world, that means you grab your laptop, camera, phone. Uh, Extension notebook, cord, notebook. Pen. Jeremy had all of his gear. Jeremy had lots of photography equipment and video equipment. So how did we get there? We took separate vehicles. You and Jeremy, I remember you two went um, into the heart of downtown Spencer, where a lot of the police activity was happening. I went out almost into Putnam County because I heard addresses going across the police scanner where they were serving search warrants. And at this point, we're chasing leads. We're chasing um, things we hear on the scanner. I think at one point when police officers would go off in vehicles to go search somewhere or look, I I several times would follow them and we just never went anywhere or they would lose me and they were just following leads that were going nowhere. So at that point, we are in Spencer. We have a deadline probably of 10 p.m. We do. 10. 10 was pushing it. 11 was bad. And I think that we turned our stuff in at 11.15. But it all got in the paper. Yeah, what time was that first um, press conference with the state police, with Kurt Dernal and several police officials spoke at the Spencer Police Department. I remember being there. I remember it was later that first day, right? Mm-hmm. It was in the evening. It was dark. It was. It was at night. And they were just giving out preliminary information, um, asking people to search, if anyone knows anything, all of the kinds of things the police say in a case like this. We got the information from the press conference, and at this point, Media has arrived from all around. I think all of the Indianapolis television stations were there. Terre Haute. Terre Haute. Um, it, it, was, it was a big, big story by then. It had blown up. And, and uh, we all, all the... trying to get all, as much information as we could. Sorry. That's okay. All of the media outlets, um, all of the indie news trucks had parked by the house where baby Shaylin had gone missing. So, just we parked there too. <laughs> we did park there too. We didn't have a news vehicle. We had your what 2001 Toyota Camry was our vehicle of the night. Somehow we all ended up in your car. I'm not right. sure. 
where I left mine or where Jeremy's car was, but we kind of were working together as a team at that point because we had to, we had the information from the news conference, we had probably interviewed some people, we had the visuals from the scene, we could see the police searching through, there was a cemetery directly across the street it's kind of eerie, and they were searching and walking through the cemetery with bright lights. And police dogs. And police dogs, right. So we said we didn't want to miss anything, so one reason the media was all there was because that's where she had disappeared from, and we used your car as a sort of office. Jeremy, he's a tall man um, with a little weight on him, and he was in the back seat of your car with all of this photo equipment and video stuff and his laptop and I also remember which I'm sure you do as well that he had a sinus infection mm-hmm. and a fever and he was just a mess but he was taking excellent photograph and editing video we decided at one point that we needed more do you remember this we had some time and we wanted to get some real people in our story and we knew the parents were talking to the media and we needed to find them right um and while we were kind of assessing the scene and the situation outside of uh, Shane Lynn's father's house or where she lived with her father and uncle and, and her grandma. And her grandma. grandma that found her missing from her crib that morning. Right. Um, I was talking with another reporter, and she and I just have a good working relationship, respect for one another, and we essentially traded information. Um, she told us where... Uh, Shaylin's mother um, lives and she told us where the father's side of the family was hanging out that evening um, and off we went to go interview the parents um, we did um, knowing that, that um, they had spoken with several other reporters earlier in the night too I know that I had a concern and I, I always do and maybe I should and maybe I shouldn't, about invading people's privacy in times like this. And I, I so hesitate to step into the lives of these parents who are at the worst moment possible. But knowing that they've talked to the TV stations, I mean, I hate to almost say this, but it made it um, easier for me to step into their homes and ask them how they're feeling. I mean, sometimes it seems like a ridiculous thing to be asking. And so, how do you feel? Oh, I'm devastated. But we, we decided to do it, and we had the addresses. I was going to interview the mom. You were going to interview the dad. Jeremy was going to take video and pictures. And so we first, I think, went to the mom's yes. apartment. Yes, yes. Uh, we left you in the car because you were writing a story. I was writing a story. Smoking. On... Yes. And I, Jeremy and I went upstairs to the apartment. We knocked on the door. Someone answered. I remember everyone in the room was speaking of smoking, was smoking. There was so much stress and tension. And there was a stack of Domino's pizza boxes and everyone was distraught and TVs were on and phones. And I found my way to Jessica Stewart, who is Shaylin's mom. And I asked her the questions that you ask and she talked to me. She was scared to death and desperate. Jeremy took some video of her speaking with me. We got out of there. We came back down to your car. Then we drove to the where the father was with his brother and parents, maybe. And then I stayed in the car to write my story from interviewing Jessica. Mm-hmm. 
you and Jeremy went into that apartment. I have no idea what happened after that. So you went in. Were you welcomed in there to talk to them? Yes, we were invited in, just walked right into their living room and started asking questions. Um, I would say that my experience talking with the father's side of the family was much different than yours. Um, I was, so? I was rather unsettled. It didn't feel the atmosphere was wasn't wasn't what you would expect of a parent who whose child has has disappeared. And recognizing that is sort of part of reporting because you come back to the car and you're sort of unsettled by all of that. At, at, at this point, it's, what, 9.30 or 10 o'clock? It's pretty late at It night. is late. We've definitely missed deadlines. We have, and we've, we've promised the editors back at the paper that we will have something for them soon. And we... Did we go to McDonald's then? I think that was the night we went to McDonald's. Okay, because there was this issue of we all had a laptop, but at this point, the battery power in all of them was fading. Jeremy especially was losing... Um, all power so and we needed Wi-Fi oh, to yeah. file our stories and That's edit right. video and and in Owen County and in Spencer your options are, are limited as far as free Wi-Fi access I knew that the library had it but the library was closed because it was so late we went to McDonald's this is often where journalists end up doing some of their most important work yes the back section of McDonald's over the next couple of days kind of became a, a media hub where reporters from all over um, got food, drinks, coffee, Big Macs, and hooked up wifi. to the Wi-Fi and filed their their stories. And there was a lot of story filing going on. This lasted over three days. Um, it was Wednesday. It was the twenty third. Mm-hmm. Then on March twenty fourth, we all came home that night of the twenty third. It was late. It was probably about midnight. It was late. Back home, and I think we had started our day like a normal day in the morning. And we needed to be right back at it the next day. We felt bad almost leaving because anything could happen overnight. Um, we went back early. Right? We did. You and I kind of devised a plan where you would kind of get the, the early start on the day and I would take over later in the afternoon and into the evening. And I remember going over. There was not much news to report. People were coming from everywhere to search for Shaylin, not just professional searchers, but just people from everywhere. And they were... There was a command center established at the Owen Valley Fire Station, sort of in the center of Spencer, and people started bringing food for the searchers, and there were organized groups going out. People were looking everywhere. I decided to, um, when you're a reporter, you're always looking for different angles for stories. I thought it was pretty amazing, all of this food and support that was showing up from everywhere. There was way more food than there were volunteers and there were probably hundreds of volunteers. So I wanted to do a story about that. So I was interviewing some of the people who were um, searching and then stopping to have a meal. And I was gonna write a little feature story, which I think I ended up writing. You did. And um, I went into the kitchen at the fire station. There was a firefighter. He was gonna set me up with my computer and Wi-Fi and all of these things. And I got a phone call from I think we mentioned Kurt Journal before. We did, yes. He's the information officer for the state police. And he says, Laura, where are you? And I said, I'm in the fire station. He said, well, you need to get out of there right now because uh, the sheriff is looking for you. And he's not happy that you're interviewing 
the searchers and he's going to throw you out of the fire station. So I said, thank you. And I grabbed my computer, unplugged it from the wall, um, asked a firefighter if there was a back way out. He ushered me out and I saw the sheriff sort of entering the area where I had been. And I ran through the parking lot to where Kurt Dernal was standing. He's like six foot six, so it's not hard to miss standing in the parking lot. And he just stood there with his arms across his chest like I had violated some reporting rule. And the reality is I was trying to get a nice little story about people who were trying to help. And people coming together and supporting together each other. And tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I think the sheriff was, he just didn't trust me. He didn't know what I was doing in there and didn't think I really had any business being in there. I should probably ask him that, Sheriff Hobbs, if you're listening. I'm sorry that I was getting in the way, but it was a public, um, publicly funded fire station, and I think I had a right to be there to talk to people. And so there was that story. Um, then, Speaking of people coming together and being supportive, that first night when we were out, the Wednesday night, after we interviewed the parents and we were filing our stories yeah. at McDonald's, yeah. They closed, remember? And they let us stay there and continue. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah, they, let, right. They, they locked the restaurant. They went out the back door to smoke cigarettes and kind of take a break well, before they that, cleaned up. About I said, have they left us here? And you said, no, they're out smoking. They'll be back. Yeah, they, they, they knew who we were. They knew what we were working on. They just said... The you're, whole town was frantic. You're not bothering us. You know, we're just going to clean up. You guys do your thing. And it was... There were small moments of just support and kindness that that were... It's something that you hear about in small towns. Spencer is probably a town of 2,000 people. It's it's small, and everyone, again, was frantic about Shaylin missing. While we were all still searching for Shaylin, you were still getting the local angle near Spencer because you didn't want to venture too far away. Right. I didn't want to go too far in case something happened. Because we, you know, we, we felt so guilty about going too far away from, from Spencer, which is why, you know, we were, Laura and I were like tagging on and off. Like somebody had to be near Spencer, um, at the heart of it all. Um, Jeremy and I, meanwhile, um, there was a report of a shooting, a possible shooting out in Owen County, out in rural portions. And Jeremy and I just go take a drive. And we are looking for this possible shooting. We're also looking for searchers because we don't entirely know where they're looking, where they're not looking. And there's always the possibility that the searching and the shooting are connected. I mean, right. There's always that. I mean, we were chasing every angle of this story. Because we have a police scanner. We do. Um, and it's just, I will never forget. It was one of those first really beautiful days in March. Like, yes, I was wearing, yeah. yes, I was wearing my peacoat, but then I would take off my peacoat for expen- extended periods of time. There's me and Jeremy in his blue Volvo, and he's playing the Allman Brothers, and we're just driving just kind of driving around aimlessly, looking, looking, looking. We're searching just like the searchers are. It's a different kind of afternoon drive, isn't it? And I just remember feeling like this is one of the f- first beautiful days of spring. 
and it this should wrong. it did it just seems wrong it should have been continued to rain should have been foggy and I thought ordinarily this would be a beautiful drive you listen to some jam bands you've got the windows rolled down but the reason why Jeremy and I were lost in you know the back roads of Owen County together were for such an awful reason and I remember feeling so overwhelmed just looking at all of the the green that was starting to pop up everywhere everywhere I just remember thinking to myself that Thursday afternoon how do you find a baby in this and it's just it, it's one of those yeah that afternoon should have been a glorious afternoon with two colleagues hanging out in the car taking a drive but it there was nothing no joy there was no joy in it whatsoever in the juxtaposition right pairing of those things it's often what we come across and it's like Salzburg um, Bob Salzburg our editor former editor said earlier sometimes in journalism the worst days are the best days in this case I can't count any of these days as good days when we were covering Shaylin's disappearance and her murder, but I'm telling you that I felt, and I know you felt, and Jeremy as well, this mission to find out what happened to her and tell people about it. And if it's the most horrible, awful thing that could ever happen, and it was, then that's what we had to do. And I, I feel like we, um, we kind of carried that burden because we knew that we would do her justice and do her story justice and we would we hold ourselves to a really high standard here and um it was just important that the three of us do that and in the in the midst of reporting on you know something so atrocious um you forge these bonds with with your colleagues that i mean the three of us have gone through things that most ordinary people hopefully never will. And I feel like we just have an unbroken bond between us now. It's true. And I know when we asked Jeremy about this, he's not going to sit down and talk about this, or he's not going to want to, because for Jeremy, this was just really a kind of painful thing that he just wants to put away, like we all do.
So we were there the next day. There may have been, was there another news conference? What happened? That would have been Thursday. What happened on Thursday? There was another... I'm sure there was a news conference, like, during the day, updating, you know, that they were still still looking. I remember on that Thursday, I did go home for the evening. And you were done for the day because you had that really early start. That's right. So we left it. And I had to run a personal errand. And in the and I left my house, no notebook, no pen. I seriously had to run up the road for ten minutes to run an important errand. And in that time, my phone blew up because there was word that baby Shaylin had been found. So and what do you do when that happens? It's way you've already worked your day, and suddenly baby Shaylin has been found. In that instance, I was in the parking garage at IU Health Bloomington Hospital talking to our editor, Z, and I yell over to another woman in the parking lot, do you have a pen that I can borrow? And she tossed me a Sharpie and said, you can keep it, honey. Oh, that's a good pen. And I just took notes on whatever I could find in my car, whatever scrap paper I could find in my car. I raced back to my house grabbed my laptop and headed back into Spencer um, because there was Kurt Donal with the Indiana State Police was organizing um, yet another press conference at the at the uh, Spencer Police Department. Now did you know that the news from that conference would be that the baby had been found? Right we um, we didn't have it independently confirmed but the mother had written um, a post on Facebook saying as much, and other media outlets had been reporting that. So in driving to Spencer, I'm trying to confirm that information from multiple sources that that the baby has indeed been found. Right. Because lots of rumors, lots of speculation. We really have to, in our business, confirm. We can't just go by other media accounts or a Facebook post. We really have to get it confirmed before we report it. And it's hard, especially when sometimes you pretty much know it's true, but you're still trying to find official confirmation. As, as uh, we put out in the, in the news release already, a body of a female infant has been discovered um, near Gosport. Um, that, uh, that body... Uh, did match the description of Shaylin Ammerman. Um, that body was located in a remote area just northeast of Gosford along the White River, um, actually where Indian Creek meets the White River. This episode of Second Read was produced by Jenny Tilly, with assistance from Bree Kirkham, Laura Lane, Abby Tonsing, and Jeremy Hogan. Music is by Zachary Walter. Read past coverage about this case by our news reporters and letters from our community at heraldtimesonline.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Green and Schultz Trial Lawyers. If a child you know has been abused or neglected in Indiana, 
please contact the 24-hour Department of Child Services hotline at 1-800-800-5556. And in other states, find the number for your area's child welfare agency.